Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, from Chicago today. A nice day, finally, here in Chicago after some miserable days of, like, 90, 95 and stuff like that. So all things are good in that way. How about you there, Paul Bickler? And these are the North Carolina boys I have to deal with on a weekly basis, as you guys know. Paul Bickler is with us. What's up, Paul? It's hot and humid and gross like it always is in the summer here. Um, and I've had a day. Um, I don't know if you – that scene in – like one of my favorite movies of all time, Home Alone, there's a scene where Marv is walking down the basement steps and steps onto a nail that's been placed by Macaulay Culkin. I had that happen today, except instead of a nail, it was this little square iPhone charger converter thing. Ooh. So, like, listen, I've got three kids, so I'm like pretty much a professional at stepping on objects, right? Like Legos, all sorts of shit in the middle of the night. But like, I I felt it, like I felt something like terribly painful and I picked my foot up and this was stuck in the bottom of my foot. Like actually, like it was... The sight of it was more terrifying than the actual feeling of it. Uh, uh, it's like, sorry, it's so bad. It just start charging you or what? <laughs> <laughs> it charged him by the prod. <laughs> oh, Paul's frozen. Paul is frozen. I, I, apparently, he didn't charge him enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just froze. <laughs> oh, he's back. Uh, dude, what happened? It didn't charge you enough when you plugged yourself or what? You I know, like I said, I'm having a day. The internet can't even cooperate with me. So like, <laughs> like I said, it was the actual side of like actually having to pull it out that was actually worse than the, the pain. But like now, like the last hour or two, it's gotten really painful. So I'm definitely not match fit. Oh, right. It's like freaking the, the Kata of the podcast over here. So, Jamie, <laughs> how is life over there? <laughs> My God, Paul, I can only. Uh say that i'm sorry for your pain and in europe we've got the plugs with three prongs that all stick up out of the ground so when you stand on them you really know you're in for a hell of a time so uh to actually impale yourself you've you've gone above and beyond sir <laughs> yeah it was quite an accomplishment i i I was going to say, as like a father, I'm used to stepping on. Now, uh, you know, you would think the kids are all grown up and you're in good shape. Now we have the dog who likes like chewing the bones into like a shiv, if you will, and just like lays them around as traps. So that's another good time there. So just when we thought it was over. But like you say, you kind of like get a as a dad over the years, any dad listening to knows this, you kind of build almost like a sixth sense for objects on the ground, even in like pitch dark, and you can kind of maneuver around it. But okay. Matt, or well, if you've ever been to a beach in Ireland, there's not a fucking grain of sand on them, but they're all rocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with our usual things. And obviously not as much going on with our boys in Liverpool. So we will probably talk a lot more about Euros. I really wanted to talk a lot about this whole Ericsson thing with you guys. Kind of wanted to get your take on like a couple of other issues that, you know, like came up. Uh, Why? Know, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what happened, seriously, as you listen to this, either you're not in the sports world or you've, you kind of like passed out for the last five days or something like that. But uh, if you don't know, you're going to be very enlightened after this <laughs> podcast over here. So, so Jamie, let's start with your 60 seconds of LFC news. 
uh, after last week you went over. So you're more than welcome to go under this week because I know not a lot happened. So here you go. All yours and go. Yeah, we're digging back to last week and it's been a decade of Jordan, Jordan Henderson, 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 Henderson. Um, obviously, the transfer window opened on the 9th of June as well. And with that, we have to bid farewell to Jeannie Wijnaldum. Um, news coming out of the club today is that there's a new deal for Adrian, just like Rocky, yeah? And, uh, <laughs> and the Premier League fixtures are coming out on Wednesday, 9 a.m. British Standard Time. Um, so when you wake up, you'll have all the juicy gossip about that. And the Premier League football finally is going to return. The date's set uh, Saturday, August 14th. And the transfer window closes Tuesday, August 31st, 11 p.m. Folks, that's all the news. So that's almost like the only main news, I guess, it would come out. So let's cover that real quick, uh, the Adrian signing, because I see a lot of hate towards that online, that's for sure. Uh, so, Bickler, let's start with you. What did you make of that signing? Good, bad, indifference? I mean, I guess I was a little bit surprised just because – I, I thought he was pretty vocally wanting to go play in Spain, which made sense to me. Uh, but I, I don't probably the signing. Like, I don't know. He's going to be a third choice behind Keller. And I don't know, like, if you can get better in terms of, like, an established, experienced um, goalkeeper who's well-liked in the locker room. Um, so, for me, I think that's a good signing. I, I think it's crazy – uh, I think goalkeepers are a little bit like center backs. You always remember their worst moments. Right. So like, I think like it's, it's amazing to me that people are like, he's trash. He's mistake prone, blah, blah, blah. When really he's made as many mistakes as Becker has made. People don't remember Becker really making those mistakes out of the back where like versus Lester, where he gave one away and it led to a goal. Like they forget the fact that he single-handedly won the super cup for us and was part of the, our record-breaking start to the 2021 campaign when Allison went down. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at now, like, our post that we put up uh, about, like, a week or so ago, I think, about uh, what's, you know, the contributors think instead of, like, signing, extending, loaning out and stuff. And for Adrian, who is 34 years old, uh, Jack Ball had released – uh, you had released at the time because he was constantly talking about, you know, going to Spain. Uh, Matush was talking about releasing him, contracted expiring in his age. I actually was one of the few who said extend because I felt like it's a year. And I think the whole locker room thing, it feels like when you watch after a game, before a game, his interactions with other players, he seems like a like an important figure in the locker room. Uh, Barak said extends. Um, and then Jordan said release. And Scott said extend too, just because of the, the Premier League experience. So Jamie, where did you stand on this? Do you still have the same opinion? Yeah, I think it's it's wise to keep him on board, even though I'm a massive fan of Callagher. Callagher just got his first senior start uh, in the Ireland game last week, I think it was. Came on and done pretty well second half. Um, I think he kept a clean sheet uh, during his spell in Nets. Um, but yeah, a I, I, massive fan of Kelher, but I, I do absolutely get what you're saying about how important he is behind the scenes. Um, just being there, being a part of the goalkeepers union, you know, training with the lads all day, every day. 
it's surely it's a good thing for for a young lad like Kevin Kelleher to have two experienced pros to learn from. Um, never mind his coaches, etc. But uh, yeah, definitely a, a good guy to have around the lads. Like he, he seems to be always positive, and we all know the lad's been given some grief as well. So fair play to him for for sticking it out. You know, it, it's all too easy for a player to just up up tools and and down tools and leave up sticks and leave basically. Um, but yeah, I think. I think it's good. Happy enough. I read a few different things. I read he's staying as number two. I read staying as number three, and we probably will not know that. So we come to some like cup games and stuff like that. But I kind of felt like for him, you know, talking about, you know, like wanting to go to Spain and stuff like that. I kind of assume he was going to be a backup wherever he goes. He was going to be the insurance, like the experienced guy behind the starter kind of thing. I don't think any, at least decent club would get him to be their starter. So I'm assuming he kind of like, you know, looked at his options, obviously a lot better chance of, you know, getting trophies and stuff like that here. I mean, look at the couple of years he's had over here and all the shit he's won, you know, and yeah, like Bickler says, we kind of remember his worst moments, but the guy has had some good games as well during that spell where we didn't have Allison in the league. He had some like freaking good games, but of course, you know, that's the thing about being a goalie. Everybody remembers the disasters more than anything else. Speaking of disasters, let's get to your guys' trivia question and answers. Uh, so if you want to prepare and study up, uh, Bickler, it's going to be a lot of Euro trivia coming up this month your way. So here we go. Today's question. Jamie, you get the first crack. All right. The player with the most... Euro appearances. Ooh. Well, you threw me for a loop on, on Platini last last week. So the most European. Let me Google. I'm gonna this. go for somebody. I'm gonna go for somebody like Maldini, maybe. Ah, good shot, actually. What you got, Bickler? Um. No, I take it back. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cristiano Ronaldo. Although I hate that answer for anything because I hate saying his name. Um, you hate that saying like, his name. <laughs> that I do. I just. I mean, I don't feel good about it. But that's the obvious answer. The other thought on my mind was maybe Pirlo, but I'm gonna go Cristiano Ronaldo. Hmm. Are you trying to switch over there, Jamie? What you got going? Buffon. Ah, not bad. Actually, you know what? That was the odd thing. Uh, in Turkey's game, they were talking about this is the first one since 2000 or something like that, where Buffon is not in the goal for Italy. Yeah. Going into this thing, and that was kind of like odd. But let's not talk about Turkey's performance because that was horrendous. <laughs> um, so let's start with the Euros. I just kind of want to get your guys' like biggest take out of. It's kind of hard. Obviously, we have not seen every group and every team play yet. Um, and obviously, we have the group of death in action tomorrow uh, since we're recording this on a Monday night. But overall, throughout the games played so far, uh, Paul, we'll start with you. What is your biggest takeaway so far from the soccer you watched? Um, so I said this, I think, last week, and I'm going to stand by it uh, based on the back of performances. I think that... Um, Generally, Italy is a team that tends to be overrated in general. And I think in this tournament, they're underrated this year. And I think they have the potential to win the entire thing. 
Yeah, they look good, man. I mean, like I say, I know Turkey looked horrendous, but I'm not saying this because I'm Turkish. They're not really that bad. Turk, I mean, the Italians did not let them breathe. And I think there were a lot of tactical errors that Turkey did. But aside from that, I mean, they look solid. And, you know, they make substitutions and you see guys coming in and it's a lot of talents coming in off the bench. In, gen- in generally, Italy is this team that has these big superstars, right? And, and I don't think like it's almost like this younger generation of Italians that are coming through right now have all played together for so long that there's like this really, really nice chemistry. And they're not players that like, they're not these huge stars yet. I just think they haven't like, they haven't lost internationally in two years. I just think they're extremely good and nobody's talking about them really. How about you, Jamie? Yeah, I, I thought, uh, and, and last week I, I kind of mentioned, I thought that midfield would kind of let them down. Um, Verratti being a bit older and, and out injured right now. I thought they were going to kind of flounder in midfield, but they've just got, you know, that, that Italian self-assuredness at the back um, and going up front there. Well, obviously in the San Siro, Siro Milbole was going to score, but um, yeah, great team. Um, and like Paul said, undefeated in like, is it really two years in, 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 in competitive football? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I can't remember the number of games. I know they mentioned in the broadcast. and But, I mean, the number of games, you know, that can kind of vary and depends on, like, the friendlies and stuff. But it was an impressive record. I, the biggest thing that I've noticed so far that has been – because I think normally I watch mainly the Premier League and the Turkish League. And if you think the VR is slow in the Premier League, I invite you guys to, to tune into be in sports and watch some freaking Turkish League VAR where it's, like, literally – Every game that I watched from Turkey at least gets extended six to seven minutes every single freaking time because of VAR. But um, on the I BBC noticed they Hulk's... were saying, sorry to mention, on the BBC they were saying, one of the commentators was saying, um, there's three different levels of VAR check for penalties. So it's an, an, and he only got the two, and then something exciting happened in the, in the game, and they just completely glossed over the third one. And I've been trying to research it for fucking days now, and I can't <laughs> figure it out. So he said one was like a normal VAR check. And then it, the second step is it goes to serious VAR check. So they're checking for like, they're, they're seriously checking for a penalty. What is the first one kind of checking? Like- yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Just like normal VAR check. And then, then it's like, all right, no, lads, clock in. Serious time. Now we're really looking. Now we're really. It's, it's, this is serious over here. Roll your sleeves up, God damn it. This is serious. So yeah, zoom in, bro. <laughs> so, like I said, I, I, I've been trying to research it for for past few days now, and uh, can't can't make head nor tail of it. I'm gonna see if I can do that at work. If I have like three levels of work, <laughs> like, today, you know, guys, today we're at level two. You know, we're gonna get into some stuff. Tomorrow, <laughs> I'm just going to mail it in, all right? That could backfire, though, in your wages, like a level one wage, <laughs> level two wage. A level well, one price, a level two price, and a level three. Yeah, especially when, you know, most of your most of your actual income is based off sales. It's probably best to put a level two day in there every once in a while. That's <laughs> a minimum goal with level two. We're still Googling what level three is. So once you figure it out, you can go all the way. <laughs> I don't know what it is yet. But God help me if I get to level three, we're all screwed. <laughs> so 
I thought, I mean, I just like the fact that it is so freaking fast and I might agree with it. Some, I mean, the, I've sometimes found myself saying, well, can we see it again? Like what happened there and stuff like that. But they're like, don't worry about it. We checked it. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> and then the game keeps going. I mean, let's face it. Even with VAR, we don't agree half the time anyway. So just do whatever the hell you got to do. At least the game flows. You know what I mean? The game does not stop. They don't stand around for three minutes for somebody to check in and stuff like that. I cannot remember an incident where it took like more than a couple of minutes. Most of the time it's kind of like, you know, five seconds, 10 seconds and they keep going. So whatever the hell it is doing, I don't know what level it is, but let's bring that level to the premier league. I know they're talking about thickening the line and stuff like that for offsides, but that's not going to really help the speed issue, but that's probably my biggest takeaway so far from the games and the fact that Turkey is in deep shit. We got a win against Wales, but apart from that, Obviously, the biggest probably events of the Euro. And heck, I mean, for someone who's watched soccer for a long time, um, one of like the most horrific things I've seen watching soccer is the whole Ericsson incident. So one of the kind of look at three different things. For those of you fluent in Turkish, uh, we do a podcast with my brother and we were talking about this and it was kind of odd. We Out of these three things, we agreed on two, but we kind of like really differed on one of them. The first one I want to talk about is how the media kind of handled it when the incident first happened. Because honestly, I was not watching the game live at the time. I kept forgetting to turn it on. I was like working, doing something on the website. And when in our Discord chats, a couple of people said, why are they freaking still showing him? So I went back to YouTube afterwards and kind of saw like what was shown on TV. But so Bickler, were you watching the game live? I wasn't. I was actually tied up with uh, one of my kiddos at the time. So, like, I didn't get to see it, but everybody on, on Discord was going off, too. I did the same thing you did. I went back and looked later. So, um, what did you think of, like, how it was covered in terms of how they were freaking literally zooming in on a guy that, I mean, thank God we know things are okay now, but he literally looked like he died. And apparently he had at the time for a brief period of time before they revived him. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty shocking. You know, I like they were, I, when I got the car, it was on the ESPN radio and ESPN radio was fairly critical of it. Uh, in general, just saying that, like, you know, the, the guy was saying, you know, we will cut the commercial when there's like controversy and booing over people taking a knee or when there's a bad leg break. But like when somebody is clearly in trouble on the pitch and they're like, you could see in his face that he was not in a good spot and they just continued. He's like, he was, they were really critical on ESPN radio, which was interesting because, you know, obviously ESPN has the rights to the tournament. Um, Come to find out later that, you know, like I was interested in that. So I was like reading about it and ESPN actually pulls from a universal feed. So they, they were, they were just allowing that universal feed to run and they could have come in with commercials, but they just weren't on top of it. So like, I mean, I think it's partially ESPN's responsibility, but really they're just kind of broadcasting from a world feed that everybody is, is off. So I'd be interested to see how it was in other countries if other broadcasters were on top of it, cut to commercial and did other things like that. But yeah, I, it, it was, that, that's, that's too bad. I mean, it was really scary. I don't think anybody needed to see that. Obviously, I don't think it was, I think where it gets really disrespectful is when you start kind of like focusing on Erickson's partner and all that stuff and, Man, it's it's just it was it was really really tough to see. So, I know in the U.S. that's what it was. I know in Turkey 
it was the same feed that you know we're talking about here. Uh, you usually watch it through BBC, right, Jamie? Same thing there, I assume. Yeah, the BBC uh, coverage it it did eventually cut out, um, and they they went to um, you know stock footage of some television program or whatever, um, but it it was very somber, you know it. It did. It seemed to go on forever. The coverage and, and obviously, you know, the the uh, like I, I was watching it live and it, the camera kept cutting away from the scene. And then then the blankets and, and, and towels were brought out and, and the even one of the Finland flags were in there um, kind of shielding like and and that's my first reaction to it was, first of all, get the players around him, which they started to do. So the players were aware that this this is serious. And that's when I knew it was serious. It's like, all right, right. They're aware that the world is watching. And perhaps we shouldn't have been. You know what I mean? It, it was like, obviously, it's a lot harder done uh, to like cut feed immediately. But in a sense, it, it's very easily done as well. The call just needs to be made. But, um, you know, certainly if, if if Christian Eriksen dies there, that that's live on national on international TV. You know what I mean? Like that that shouldn't um, should never happen. Um, See, I'm glad you kind of like brought that one up in terms of you know like it is hard because initially nobody knew what the hell happened, including the Danish player that was literally right next to him had no idea what was happening. He's looking around like what the heck happened, and then he turned around and saw like Eriksen on the ground. But I guess my point is because this came up with my brother as well uh, is. If Ericsson suddenly, like, we don't expect that to happen, right? It's not a normal soccer thing. So, and the director, whoever's in charge of, like, switching the camera at the time to something else is human as well. So he's going to be an initial shot. But if Ericsson suddenly drops his shorts in the middle of the game as he's, like, taking the ball from the throw-in, uh, you might have, like, a second or two as, like, what the... And then you would they would cut it immediately. It would not zoom in to see what Ericsson is working with. Well, I'll, I'll tell you for a fact they probably would, because I knew I know I used to know a guy who worked for Sky Sports, and he was a cameraman, and it is their job to scan the crowd and look for attractive people to cut in and zoom into for certain frames. So they, they we're we're saying they would zoom in if you lowered the shorts. Guarantee you, I guarantee you. So it's I didn't expect the, that. Jesus. One of the many cameras that are covering the footage. I guarantee you. You know. I mean, this this honestly probably says more about Jamie's friends than it does about anything else. <laughs> There's just social pariahs. <laughs> I mean, so I can understand the initial shock, but continuing to zoom in on it and show it. Uh, like I say, I turned it on. By the time I turned it on, they were zoomed out, and the Danish players were already like there was like already like a wall around what was happening anyway. But I just felt it was. I personally felt it was really wrong the way they broadcasted it. But this was one thing that we disagree with my brother. And bear in mind, he's in Turkey, so he's used to and against a lot of censorship that happens back home. You know, unlike various things. And mm -hmm. one of the things we discussed with, so let me take your, get your guys' take. What do you guys think of, for example, Paul, uh, of them kind of like, you know, not showing somebody who ran onto the field? 
does it even matter or like why do they even do it? I mean, I know, I guess we know the principle of oh, straight, like when somebody jumps a security barrier, like yeah, like, like somebody like, running through the fields. I mean, you know, right, they don't show they don't it. Not to be me. naked, they could just be like you know running across the field. You know, five people trying to chase him and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's a, that's a relevant point, right? Like we cut we cut that real quick, but like we're we're showing somebody dying on the field. So I mean, I, I think that's definitely a relevant point. I don't I don't have a problem with us cutting people jumping the security barrier because what you're trying to do is de you know you're you're trying to to discourage people from doing that. So like if we're going to broadcast that during the game, it becomes a part of the entertainment, you know. So you're you're likely to have more people trying to do it. Like think that that's the reasoning behind it, and I'm fine with it because. Our entire lives in, in, as Americans, we've done that. Like somebody's always got naked at a college football game and run across the field drunk, and they always cut it. Like, I mean, it, it literally happens like once a game, but it's like always cut out. So, like, I'm just the so used final. To that woman's famous. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to that being cut from broadcast. It doesn't bother me. I was trying to think back. Like, I wish I had known what the 2012 broadcast coverage of the FA Cup final with Bolton and Tottenham would look like when Fabrice Mwamba went down. I was actually at that game, and I don't ever remember seeing, like, coverage of it but because, like, I mean, obviously I wasn't watching it because I was there. Um, I, it was all over BBC News and all over the radio, and it was, you know, in residential Tottenham, so it was like a log jam trying to get out of there after they abandoned the match. Um but I can't remember what the coverage was actually like because I, I was watching Luca Modric who was, was marking Uwamba when he went down and I watched that actually go down and it was so absolutely terrifying. And you knew the moment it happened that something so serious had happened. Um, I, w- I wish I could get some kind of compare and contrast and how that was broadcast because I don't really know. Um, but like I am, I'm okay with us cutting stuff out from people jumping security barriers and messing with the field and stuff. I'm okay with that. And I think me being okay with that is partially why it was a problem. This prolonged um, sort of uh, visual of of a player who's in in serious, serious medical trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, that's why I wanted to kind of get your, get your guys take on it. Jamie, I mean, same, do you stand like the same way in terms of away from everything? Yeah, I mean, like, why not? Like, and and I remember the Moamba uh, incident as well. Um, and I do, I don't exactly remember specifically watching it, but I definitely remember the coverage of it. Um, it was all over the news, and you know, for something like that, it, it of course, uh, Vivian Mark Vivian Foe as well. Um, he tragically died, but you know, it's. Um, these things stay with you. Um, so it it's always going to be remembered no matter what. So I don't see the need to, like, you know, the, the, it, they're right there in your face. I ju- it just, it, it's horrible. It was a horrible thing. It, it visibly shook the players. It visibly shook the people watching it in, in the stands. Um, you know, the Finnish and Danish fans singing back and forth, Christian Eriksson, Christian Eriksson. Um, and it, it visibly shook me watching it. It visibly shook a lot of people watching it. So, you know, I, I don't think... Horrible. Glad that he's okay. But, yeah, I mean, it could easily be switched. I think part, I mean, of, it that's really, I think part of it that's really troubling is for me as, like, 
as a dad, right? Like I hear all these parents talking about like kids and cell phones and how like we're really condemning this generation of, of, of youth coming up who would rather sit there and record a fight on a phone than break it up and intervene and help people, right? Like that's, that's the next generation coming up. And then we're in a live broadcast and a player is basically, I mean, you could see the look on his face. There was no life in those eyes. It was that glassy dead eye look. It was really scary. And it doesn't take a genius to know that this is something we should probably cut away from, but it's, it's like, it kind of mimics sort of mirrors that whole thing where we're, we're, we're getting the drama and the juicy and the, and, and the, the, the hot and the terror and all the extremes that sell. And we're going to focus on that instead of doing the right thing. I mean, completely un, unrelated to football, but um, Princess Diana, you know, something like that, where, where, the, where the paparazzi are just all over it. That's, that's the kind of vibe that I got from it. Um, that may seem like uh, a touch over the hill to some people, but it, it, it really felt, um, it lacked a lot of taste. It, it definitely left a sour taste in my mouth. And yeah, it was disgusting. It was I mean, the same thing happened when Kobe died, you know, like some of the cops or whatever were like sharing pictures and stuff like that. I mean, it is sad. Actually, that's funny you brought that up because I was just telling my daughter about that Bickler because she was showing me a video that happened in high school. And I was like, I'm amazed like everybody is just sitting back and recording the fight. You know, in, right. in our days, back in the day, somebody would be like, hey, 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 cut it out or whatever. I mean, it might be funny the first couple of seconds that you'd be like, come on, guys, break it up. And something. no, like everybody is like, who can plot their gun faster? It's like the Wild West. <laughs> like, just, yeah. like, plot your phone and start recording. But I, I just thought it was really interesting, like as... We were talking with my brother. It's just like that different perspective. And his was more about, I think it was more about censorship. Like, don't decide what I need to see and what I don't need to see. I'll decide if I want to look away or not, which I understand right, but, as well. But we're not watching a, a movie here at Temuch. And this is, this is real life. You know, you can't decide what you're going to watch. But no, I mean, his thing was, and like I say, I'm in agreement with you guys. This was one area right, right. that we did not agree with. Her, I think his perspective was totally different from uh, being in Turkey, where there's a lot of censorship, where you're like, hey, you guys probably don't need to know this. You guys don't need to watch yeah. that. So everybody is more after just give me freaking everything and I'll decide what I need to know, what I don't need to know. So that yeah. was kind of like interesting that he had that totally different take on it because I kind of like think with like you guys, but obviously we get exposed to censorship a lot less over here. I felt right. like kind of like what Bickler is saying. I mean, a kids could be watching that. Of course. And your, well, your brother, gonna play your, soccer does your brother season. have children? Yeah. He, he does. does he? Have, yes, he does. He does have children. Well, he has like, he has a, uh, he has a son and he was saying, you know, like that's, I, we didn't get to that part. Cause like I say, we were trying to do a quick video about the whole Ericsson thing and ended up being like a 30, 35 minute chat. But uh, this was one of the things that took the longest cause we just did not see eye to eye. And I kind of see his perspective, just don't agree to it, but it was one yeah, of those things. Yeah, no, I, I, do, I do too. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, so the second part of the thing I want to talk about is obviously the decision to continue the game. So the first crap was Erickson said to continue the game, which what else is he going to freaking say? Like, oh, guys, give me like three months. I'll be back on the field. We'll play it then. I mean, you know, psychologically, the guy is just happy that he's alive. Everybody's happy that he's alive. He's going to be like, you know, go get it for me, blah, blah, blah. But for them to play that same freaking like the same game in what, like four hours? Was it even that? It was less than an hour. 
Yeah, I mean, they just like went R. out there it and was, played yeah. again. I mean, yep. we were, as somebody in the U.S. over here, freaking thousands of miles away, were shooken up by the incidents because we've all played. Um, I mean, I have kids played, still playing. I still play in a much less capacity. Heck, my wife still plays. Uh, I mean, I was shooken by seeing that, that it can happen to a professional football player who is probably at least 20 times better shape than we are, uh, probably gets uh, 20 times better healthcare and checkups than we do. And it was scary that that could happen and I was shaken up. So for somebody who is his teammate, knows him on a personal level to see that, and you could see the devastation they had. And then for them to just like expect to go out there in like two hours and play a game like nothing happened was beyond obnoxious. So, Jamie, what is your take on that? Because honestly, I didn't even think when I first saw that, like, oh, the game is going to continue. I was like, what the hell, really? And I didn't realize it was that quick. Next thing I know, I look on my phone and film was up 1-0. The, the UEFA money machine keeps rolling. Um, the show must go on. It's bullshit. Um, it's, it's bullshit. If he dies, the tournament gets canceled. Simple as that. Um, so that kind of... <sighs> that kind of puts it in perspective for me because he was, he was probably legally dead for a minute. Um, that obviously had an effect on the game, not just his players for the remainder of the tournament, but it also had a, an effect on fin on the Finland players as well. So that essentially the same game didn't continue. It was a completely different pantomime uh, show. It was a, it was a show. It wasn't a game. Um, and, you know, Paul, you, you've seen something like that happen in person. The worst thing I've seen in person, um, and I was probably about six feet away from it when it happened, was my captain playing Gaelic football in Ireland. He had a compound fracture on his lower, uh, on his tib and fib. So both, that means both, bone, both bones popped out of his skin. And I heard it, right? And like I said, I was about six feet away. I felt it. Um, but the thing that stayed with me is the scream. The scream will never, ever leave me. I'll never, ever hear another man scream like that ever again. And, and that's left its mark on me. He didn't die. He didn't lose a leg. You know, the game got canceled. But what happened was the ambulance was right there and, and drove onto the pitch. Like, I, I don't know. The, the guys who took care of Christian Erickson obviously done a fantastic job. But I think, I don't know. He, he could have been airlifted out of there or something much quicker. He could have been ambulanced out of there much quicker. I just thought, I don't know. I don't know. It shouldn't have been happening live on TV. Um, I mean, we give the Danish players all the credit. You know, they built the wall, blah, blah, blah. You know, like Kyer, especially, who I loved. We used to play for a Fenerbahce. Pulled the tongue I mean, out of his mouth. Like and, fan and, favorites. And, you know, going to his wife and stuff, which, you know, like I say, we kind of discussed if all that stuff should be shown and all that. And their reward was <laughs> to go back out there after a couple of hours with like dead inside and take on Finland like nothing happened. So what is your take on that whole fiasco, Paul? Because I personally think it is just disgusting to watch. And honestly, I could not watch the game. Even when I looked on the phone, it was 1-0. I turned it on and I was like, I mean, what are we watching here? We're watching Danish players being tortured is what we're watching. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are 
zombies, right? I mean, which is understandable. Um, I kept thinking about trying to play through something like that. And like, I had a, um, uh, the only thing I could think about is like my coaches, uh, my club coach's son was, I, I played, he was on our team and he passed away in the, during the season. And um, I just can remember that week. And like, we were, we, you know, it was midweek, so we didn't have a match, but we didn't play the following weekend and we played the, you know, two weeks away essentially. But I can remember how hard that, that first game was two weeks later. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's having the time to process. And, and, and I'm, I mean, I remember the day that it happened, just like the numbness, um, you know, obviously Erickson was pulling through, but you still feel that trauma. Um, I think the major problem that I have with it um, with UEFA is like, I wish that I felt the way Jamie felt where he thinks like if Erickson died, the tournament's canceled. I don't think it is. I, really? I, I don't. I don't, I don't think so either. And, and that's, that's the sad reality of it. Like in there's, there's, this is a little bit complex because I understand that there are rules about abandoning matches. And I understand that like, if, if you've got to do one thing for one team, you've got to do it for them all. But at some point we have to look at this and your, and I believe this wholeheartedly about business in general, you have to have a set of absolutes for your business, but you also have to have empathy and the ability to go outside the lines that you've drawn in certain situations that are out of your control and that are extreme. And this, this to me falls in that line. So for me, if I was UEFA, I would have looked at the schedule and I would have, I would have gone to Denmark and said, what do you want to do? Not these are your options. You can play tonight, you can play tomorrow, or you can forfeit. No. What do you want to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do you as, what do you as a country that's representative of your nation who's just undergone this traumatic experience, what do you want to do collectively as a group? Like, in the fact that there wasn't that conversation is what really upsets me the most because, um, I mean, obviously they're not going to get the result uh, playing the same day. And I wouldn't, you know, honestly, if I were them, I don't, I don't know what else you'd expect. Get it over with. We got to play it within 24 hours anyway. We're not going to feel any better about this tomorrow. Let's just fucking do it. We're halfway there, finish 45 minutes. But there's no reason to me that this match couldn't have been made up later. Um, and I'm talking like next week later, like, they could have figured it out. Like, I just think it's, it's sad, man. It's sad when something like this happens and like, um, you know, we get caught up in the logistics instead of the fucking humanity of it. I tell you what brought it all home for me on the, on the BBC stream that ended shortly after it happened. Sask Fabregas was, was invited on, which is another good thing about the BBC stream. They, they, they invite like old, well, older professionals people who've just kind of retired into the into the punditry arena um but Cesc Fabregas brought it all home and he said you know this just sinks in he said you know of, of all the times I've come home from training angry or from a game angry and come home to your family and maybe not spoken or done this and done that like it 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 does it it should bring it all home to to the players and 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 to the people running the game as well, because, you know, I've read a lot into it recently about how this this is, you know, a, a young man who's been run down by football and, and by the, the governing bodies, etc. And as much as I don't want to agree with you, lads, in that 
I do think UEFA would have cancelled it. Maybe that's just me being naive, but I said it as well myself. Like the 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 train keeps rolling, the show must go on. The the money train can't stop. Um, so I guess it would have been a difficult thing for them to to call. Arguably, the fairest thing to do would have just been to to cancel the game and call it a draw. Um, but even that would have angered people. Um, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I... I don't think it would have angered them as much as freaking making them. And then, you know, like the most disgusting part about this whole thing is, uh, I mean, obviously, like Bickler says, the fact that the humanity takes a second seat is disgusting enough. But the way like to present it like this is what they really want. Like, like the Danish players are like, no, 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 no. We want to play like right now and stuff like that. Don't freaking bullshit us. And then everybody was like, oh, yeah, I mean, sadly, some people were naive enough to think, yeah, they want to play. Well, yeah, I mean, if your options are play now kind of like what Paul is saying get it over with come back tomorrow which yeah I mean what is going to change in like 12 we'll play hours it as, as the last game of the, the group stages you know yeah. I mean yeah they could have done something like that they could have probably called it a draw I mean let's face it probably Finland would have taken that anyway yeah because uh, they were never going to win that game if they play with actual Denmark as opposed to like their ghosts yeah uh, I mean I, it was just very – the whole incident is disturbing by itself. And then to do that on top of that to those guys, let's say even you said, you know what, oh, they really want to play, blah, blah, blah. You see those guys still crying as they warm up. Wouldn't you be like, you know what, guys, this was a freaking bad idea. Let's not do this. Yeah. And I get – I'm going to say this and, and tie me to the post and tar and feather me if you want, but Finland obviously won. They scored and didn't celebrate. The goal scorer didn't celebrate, which was nice. But they celebrated at the 90th minute mark. And and for me, that there's a time and a place for that. Yes, it's their first um, official competitive win, um, their first official competitive goal. But I would have saved that. I would have tried to have saved that for the for the changing rooms because um, the the optic, optics of it just didn't really sit well with me. And maybe that's just me being uh, a butthurt, uh, what do they call boomers, uh, generation, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just didn't sit well with me. I don't, I don't think celebrating was the right thing to do then and there. Um, the world didn't need to see that as much as they didn't need to see all the rest of it. I thought it was freaking pathetic, dude. I know you talked about it as it was happening. And I'm like, you have got to be shitting me. And then... When I look back afterwards, this is what really aggravates me, probably, especially as someone in Turkish was like had faced some stuff. But, you know, afterwards, they were like, oh, they did not celebrate the goal and stuff. The moment the game ended, they celebrated like they won the fucking thing. And I like you're saying, I understand it's a big time in your history and you might even lose yourself for a split second. Right. But as you're freaking jumping around in the face of your freaking opponents, wouldn't you see in the corner of your guy? Yep. Denmark Danish guy that 100%. you were crying along freaking like two hours ago and be like, yeah, this is probably not a good time. Go to the goddamn locker room, celebrate all you want, come back out if you want, you know, go thank your fans and stuff. But I thought them celebrating like that was probably after the UFA incident, I would probably put that as second worst thing I've seen, even worse than the media actually showing it. Did you catch that at all, Paul? I didn't catch that. And it's really shocking to me just because of everything that like was said post game and happened when it went down was so respectful. It's really like, 
against the grain of everything I saw from that finished side. So it is really shocking to me. Like, it's weird to think that you don't have enough emotional intelligence to understand that when it's happening. So that's very strange to me. I also still blame UEFA. Like, I don't like, don't put a team in that position. Don't put a team in a position where they can't celebrate a victory. Like, yeah, it's, that's a fair that's, point too. That's bullshit too. Like, and I think like, I get so fed up with this fucking, like, you know, this campaign against racism and this campaign for players' mental health. Like, how much do you really fucking care about any of that shit when the only time I've ever seen them react to anything was when some someone threatened to take away their, their payday? Like, yeah. that's the biggest reaction we've ever seen from UEFA, and we saw it within hours. Yeah. But when we have a, a campaign against racism or mental health, we make decisions collectively as an organization that fly in the face of those general missions. And I think that that, like, that, can't, that has to be discussed, you know, and I know. Which the racist thing is happening every single day on football platforms all over the world. Um, which, another which another us, can of worms. Another can of worms that we could, yeah, we, we could probably talk about uh, that. And, I and mean, whole- my thing was, here's what really gets to me, is first of all, if you go and look at it now, like if you're listening to this and you did not see it, you're going to go to the internet and you're like, let me see this. You're not going to. It was almost presented as, oh, Finland was so respectful. They didn't celebrate the goal. And nobody talked about what happened after the game. I guess the thing that really gets to me is if that was anybody else, if that was, let's say, Russia, if that was Ukraine, if that was Turkey, I can guarantee you it'd be a fucking big deal. A couple yeah. of years ago, Turkey beat France and they scored a goal. And that same day, a bunch of their like soldiers had died. So as a celebration, they came to the sideline and did the, like a like a salute, like a soldier salute thing. Like, you know, like seven, eight of the players or whatever, because they had talked about it before the game. And it was more like to honor the dudes that died the morning off and nothing right. else, you know. Turkey got freaking fined for that. Not only that, they went to all the Turkish players who were playing in European leagues at the time, like Ozan Kabak, who was playing in Schalke, and warned them against celebrating like that because they would get fined as well. Me. So no, hell no. They Jesus warned. They warned Mary Thimerel, the Serie A warned Mary Thimerel in Juventus. They warned Ozan Kabak in Germany that hey, you better not pull this shit again in the league because you guys did it in the national game against France. Wow. So, I know, I mean, Finland and obviously Denmark are probably, I mean, close and they're like neighbors, not in a bad kind of way. They're actually like good neighbors from what, as far as I know, if anybody knows whether they can enlighten me. But I guarantee you, if it was a team like Turkey, Russia or Ukraine or somebody who's not in the club, if you will, doing that, somebody who has the a reaction che- would be let's, much different. Yeah. Let's just say a checkered historical past. <laughs> yes. Let's, I guess, <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Please wear that badge. Speaking I guess. from an Irishman, <laughs> I, I, I think I'll take that one. But I mean, that's the part that annoyed me more than anything else. That you don't even see anything now, and like it's not even talked about. They were like, "Oh, they were so respectful, didn't celebrate the goal." But then, the, I mean, it was even over the top. And I realized once again, for people who are gonna say, "Oh, it was big for them and stuff," I realized this was their biggest thing in their soccer history or whatever. But take another 50 goddamn steps and get to the locker room and jump all over each other, do whatever the hell you got to do, but don't jump up and down in front of a guy 
who still probably didn't know for sure. I mean, yeah, we knew he was alive and stuff, but nobody knew if he had like long-term effects and stuff like that. I mean, you literally just beat a team of zombies, like Paul says, and to celebrate it like that. I mean, is Schmeichel getting that goal, letting that goal in if he's really focused? Probably not. Is that penalty that brutal? <laughs> the one they took, which probably wasn't a penalty to start with, mind you, but... I mean, let's face it, uh, they can play like freaking another 50 times if they play the actual Danish team, Denmark is winning that game. Heck, even that game, they played like, you know, their freaking ghosts were almost able to beat Finland. So it was just like the most frustrating thing, knowing what had happened, like, you know, with other celebration with other countries and stuff like that. And not that UFA is going to say anything, but I was just shocked that nobody else i think jamie you were watching it live so i know you kept like messaging saying like this is ridiculous and stuff like that because it was so freaking over the top but yeah uh quiet today but like i say i think the biggest thing we probably agree on is i've discussed in the whole ufa thing is in terms of especially that it came out today that the options given was kind of like Vickler saying play right now play the next day or take the loss i mean that's just they should not say shit about players' mental health for a couple of years till we forget this one. Yeah. Uh, so last thing, uh, let's see what UFA does on this one because uh, we were actually talking about Discord channel as it happened too. The whole uh, celebration of uh, Arnautovic, is that how we pronounce his name? Yeah. What did you guys make of that, Paul? Um, well, I mean, I messaged you because like, so I was working the bar and uh, I saw it happen live. And as a a former underperforming striker, I know what other people's goal celebrations look like. So like I could tell, <laughs> I could tell when it happened that like he was, it wasn't a normal goal celebration. He was clearly fired up about something because he looked like he was pointing to a North Macedonian player and like motioning and making a motion. And like, it just wasn't normal. Like, even like it wasn't like normal banter. Even when you see banter after a goal, you could tell like he would like, you know, one of the guys was kind of holding him back. And then, you know, you saw David Alaba come in and kind of like holding his face, like trying to keep him calm and, and hold. It was weird. It was bizarre. And that's why I messaged you. And I was like, anybody know what, ha- like, what's he fired up about? Was he fouled before the play? You know, cause I just looked up and saw him kind of make this mazy run and then kind of go around the keeper and slot it in. But I didn't see like the, the previous buildup to it. So um, and I guess the rest is kind of history. We're getting a lot of like noise about some possible racist language coming out and stuff. I don't know, that's, but that's that's kind of where I was with it. Just knowing that it wasn't a normal a normal situation. Yeah, we even speculated that <laughs> there was some stuff going on before, like somebody so tapping other one's balls or some yeah. ball squeezing going on in the free kick or something. Those were like I said, we thought it was more about being upset about something that happened like maybe like a minute or so ago. And it was more like an in-your-face kind of celebration. Probably should have known when we saw Alaba like trying to put a muzzle on him yeah. almost, trying to keep his mouth <laughs> closed. And... I still thought it was more about don't get a stupid yellow by talking shit, like, you know, taunting or something like that. So did you see what he had allegedly said, which he almost admits, mind you, he gave the defense of like the typical, like the homophobic or racist person would like 
my best friends are black or yeah, my best friends are gay or something like that. For all the listeners, for all the listeners out there, if you're ever in a situation, you start with my friends are, you're probably, <laughs> you're probably already too shit deep into it. Like you're probably already dead in the water. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's all coming out right now out of the woodwork, isn't it? So listen, like, like Paul said, um Arnautovic is uh is no wallflower so to speak he, he he's he's not shy put it that way um so yeah Alba rightly um trying to, to cover his mouth because in in today's world of social media and everything lip readers aren't really needed <laughs> when you've got a when you've got a when you've got a 25% capacity stadium you could almost hear him, and I'm, I dare say people have. Um, so I'm, I'm sure it's all going to come out and, and, and what he said and whatnot. But um, definitely a history of, of some celebrations in the uh, in the Euros. And, and, and you know, Shakiri's done one, or, or was it Arnautovic? I forget, the Albania thing. Um, but, yeah, it uh, like Paul said, it just it, – it, it kind of stunk immediately. You could tell that it was um, heated by something. So maybe it was like you guys were joking about earlier on. It could have stemmed from uh, a slight kick in the game that got heated and and and, and spiraled into something else. But uh, yeah, it it doesn't look great. Why do we talk about the 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 goals of the season, the goals of the tournament, Yarmolenko goal, and uh, what was the one today against Scotland? Because it wasn't have, doesn't have anything to do with UFA. <laughs> so, so okay, before we go to today's actually goal, which you know I don't know, I kind of put that a lot on the goalie than anything else. What the hell is he doing all the way out there? Is my question. But like he wasn't even like in the middle of. In, it wasn't even in the middle. Like, even though like he was all the way up there, he was not even in the middle. Like what are you doing, dude? You're not a sweeper. Like I don't know what the hell he was doing all the way up there. But shit to see that and I mean, perfect kick is like unreal. Do you but, like the Yarmolenko one better or? I like the Yarmolenko one better. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you. Because there's an actual goalie trying to stop something. And not only that, I mean, if he really had his bearings, I felt like. Oh, he could have went two more foot to the left. Yeah. He, he... Yeah. Like he could have almost saved that if he had, if he knew where the hell he was and he wasn't like, he'd almost looked like he was panicking running back. Uh, and that's why he missed that as opposed to, you know, like I say, if he was the other one, there was a goalie who actually did try to stop it and there was no freaking way. of doing No it. stopping it. Oh, I'm also pretty it. sure Yarmolenko is like a different Yarmolenko internationally than he is when he's at the club level. Like the opposite of Lewandowski. You twin mean? brothers playing. Yeah. The opposite <laughs> of Lewandowski. Yeah. Like they just, maybe they are just holograms of the actual players like our Ben Davies. It's like the hologram of the other Ben Davies. By the way, I don't think I sent. I don't think I sent you this uh, photograph. Um, I know you love Ben Davies, Paul. So I find this fantastic photograph earlier on, and I'm going to show it to you over camera so you can get your live reaction. But uh, hold on, let me turn down the brightness. Maybe that might help. There you go. Can you see? Oh yeah, That's Ben Davies. Ben Davies is pregnant by three months, apparently, in this photograph. That's at least three, it looks like, yes. <laughs> and he's holding his little belly. Well, I mean, maybe we can get 
more out of the deal. I don't know. Like, can we get like two prices for a kid and a guy? Can we yeah. have can we have that as our screenshot for this week's podcast? Actually, you know what? I will do that just for the listeners to enjoy that because that does look horrendous. What is that? Is that like they're like that's the wheels that photoshop? photograph? That has yeah. to be a photoshop, right? No, it's a wheels photograph, and he's there just kind of like caressing his stomach, and he he looks like he's a pregnant lady. <laughs> Like so, how old does the child have to be before we can actually do a transaction where the club sells them without it being human trafficking? And does that call <laughs> as like homegrown player? If, yeah. like... Two homegrown players, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's maybe that's, that's what we, the, signed maybe we knew he was pregs. <laughs> that's the the Davis that Paul is is convinced that we've signed, not the Davis that doesn't exist. <laughs> And the odd thing has been, I mean, Thiago made an appearance uh, later today, but uh, Chris, who's going to be covering uh, the <coughs> Liverpool players uh, that are like playing in the Euro for us, for American Scouser, he's having a tough time because, I mean, there's not a lot of the, I mean, Robo obviously played, and I thought he played well. I know they like criticized his shot a lot, but really that was a good save at the end of the day. I know he could have gotten probably behind it, hit it lower maybe, but um, he put seven quality crosses into the box. If there was anybody did. into the box that was worth a dab, Scotland would have won that game. Yeah, I mean, there were some ridiculously good balls, and everything came from the left side. I mean, they had almost like a non-existent right-hand side, so they kind of like made some substitutions later on in the game. But, yeah, that one kind of like looked like a loss. They should have had like chick like swap shirts, get them out there. <laughs> That's the least you can get out of that game, I guess, after a historic goal. But so let me ask you guys this. I know my biggest disappointment uh, so far is uh, Turkey, but hopefully that's going to turn for the better when we play Wales on Wednesday. But uh, the biggest shock for you guys so far? Uh, biggest disappointment is England winning uh, their first <laughs> game because now they're going to get carried away with themselves. And I'm not going to say the words that every England fan is saying right now. It's not coming home. If it was coming home, they'd have deported it. <laughs> uh, yeah. England a lot fans. of hate mail. Because fans, I love you. We're going to get a lot of hate mail because of your England's uh, <laughs> England criticism. Bigler, how about you? Uh, biggest disappointment or biggest shock? I don't, man, I don't really have one. I mean, I like, like, obviously the Ericsson was the most shocking thing to me, but like, I don't think from the run of performances, I don't think there was anything that was that out of the ordinary, to be quite honest. I guess uh, the one you probably got from the Charger when you stepped on it. Yeah. Hey, yo, what voltage you got over here? 120? What is it? <laughs> Um, you know, honestly, what's the uh, biggest disappointment was maybe, maybe um, I love the Netherlands and I love Genie, but I don't want to fucking hear about like how we should be keeping him to score goals because like it doesn't help anything. He doesn't play that role for us when he was with us. Like we just, it's time to move on to folks in general. Like I don't want to like, I, I want the Netherlands to do well. I just don't want to hear about Genie every fucking time they do well. And honestly, here's the thing. Even when watching that game, even in that role, he's not what fans think he should be. I mean, there were so many times he could have taken a shot, for example, and he still did the turn around a couple of times and pass the ball kind of thing. I mean, I think we're going to miss him. If nothing else, the reliability and the work rate. Hopefully he will be replaced and we're not going to think, you know, oh, Ox and Kater are coming in are healthy or something along those lines. Uh, but... 
yeah, it is kind of like uh, every time he does something, everybody's like, oh, yeah, see. But I'm waiting for more signing offerings after every game. I've already seen probably, a couple. So. It would probably be less frustrating if it weren't the same people that were bitching about how he was shit for three years. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. But so what are we looking forward to this week before next week's podcast? Any specific games? Um, I mean, for most fans, I'm assuming it's the France-Germany tomorrow. But uh, any unique ones from you guys? England-Scotland, big one. That's uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm not going to ask who you're rooting for. How about you, Bickler? <laughs> I, I like that game, too. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously pulling very hard for Scotland um, I just because... I think it would just be absolutely hilarious. Actually, it would be. Uh, I'll have to admit. I don't have a... I mean, just because Robo is playing on that side, I would go with Scotland, I guess, as well. But I don't have the anti-England thing that Jamie's got going over here. But you know what? Now that, you know, before the Euro started, we did um, kind of like a poll, I guess, amongst all the contributors uh, who kind of like gave their favors and stuff like that. And one of the questions, Mateusz actually put that together for us. One of the questions asked was, who would you like to see fail the most? And at the time I had put, you know, ask me this after the first round of games, I'm sure somebody will annoy me. And I have picked somebody that I want to fail miserably and Finland is on the top of the list. People. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I dare say you'll have no worries there. <laughs> well, actually, no, they won a game. They might end up going through. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, this whole uh, four out of the, what is it, like six groups, right? So, like, you know, like a bunch of third place, a win can go kind of like a long way unless you get kind of like get clobbered. Well, like Turkey did against Italy. Unless you do that, uh, you have like a good shot at it. Speaking of... Copa America, what is the point of the group stages where they play a bazillion games just to eliminate two teams? Seriously? Just want to make sure we get the Rona, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's all they're getting right now in the group stages is that and nothing else. I mean, so Exposure I think like, and exhaust five and the top four <laughs> go to the next round. Fantastic. It's, yeah. It's if they great. were lottery numbers, I'd be buying them. <laughs> But at least there is a lot of uh, good soccer to be watched. And honestly, the best thing about that is the fact that I think, for the most part, it keeps the transfer talk and rumors and stuff a bit quieter because we have something else to focus on as opposed to having 24 hours to just fucking pull shit out of our ass and, you know, speculate stuff. So we can be thankful for that. No, all, all you need is one player to perform well in the Euro 2020s or in a game in the Copa America, and they're automatically linked with 10 teams across Europe. Well, I'm making like a list of hashtags of like announce this guy, announce that guy. Every game I'm picking somebody. So one of them will stick, I'm sure. That oh, I it's your fault. And, I can come back in three months and be like, I call this guy's like back and <laughs> kind of thing. So that's how the rumor things go. So gentlemen, again, if they were lottery tickets, we'd all be buying them. <laughs> Why the hell not? But well, thanks a lot, gentlemen, for joining me. And to all those who put up with us for this past hour. We're sorry. Hitler, watch where you <laughs> stepped. And then Jamie, watch where you go, because there could be a lot of English fans. <laughs> there could be a lot, of, a lot English of English fans after you. <laughs> There's a lot of English in Wilmington. 
Thanks all for listening and see you guys next week.